Well, good morning, church. I want to welcome you, especially those of you who are visiting with us. My name is Ike Nicholson. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I pray that uh, you will be blessed as uh, God speaks and ministers to us today in our time of worship and study in God's Word. Uh, just before we begin, a couple things. You have a Resist the Drift business card on or near your seat. Uh, first of all, this is something that I'd encourage you to consider. Uh, I had uh, a, a couple today, or this past week, say to me, we're fine. That's great. I'm glad that your marriage is great. We need you to come and be a part of this to be an encouragement to other people. And then I've had other folks that said, you know what, we're doing pretty good, but uh, hey, any chance we get to, to strengthen our marriage, we want to do that. So they're going to be coming. And uh, if you are in a time of crisis, especially, we encourage you to come. And the better we are at getting folks who have good, strong, healthy marriages, folks who have good marriages but want to make them better, that helps those who are struggling not feel so bad. So that way when we come at the marriage conference and you look around, I didn't know they were having trouble. Well, they're not having trouble. They could be one of the 50-year healthy folks. Uh, but uh, we would encourage you to consider that. Uh, this not only is to remind you, but also for you to give out to a friend, a neighbor, a family member. Uh, it is $50 now to register, but if uh, <clears throat> they need uh, the 40 bucks, give the office a call. I have a secret code that only I have, well, and, and the rest of the staff. But anyway, um, and we can get them. And we also have some scholarships available, too. So we don't want uh, the, the, the cost to be a barrier or a hindrance to anybody. Uh, please do not uh, feel bad about that. We'd love to do that. We've actually even had um, a donor say, I want to support uh, a pastor and spouse. And so if you, if you have a friend who's a pastor and uh, they uh, would like to come and be a part of this, I have some donors who would like to take care of that for them, so it would be free for them. So I hope that you'll, you'll prayerfully consider uh, this and, and give this out to your friends or your neighbors. Veterans Day is this week as well. Uh, we want to honor those who have served and Pastor Joe will be leading us a little bit later in the service about that, but thank you, those of you who have uh, served uh, in defense and in service of our nation. I also want to share with you a change that's going to happen in our worship service. We always got to warm people up before we change the worship service, don't we? But uh, it's not that big of a deal. Starting next week, we're going to begin passing the offering plate again. So we're just taking small steps here uh, as uh, we navigate the, uh, the, the, the continuation of the pandemic and, and what we are hearing is a rise. Um, from all indications from our local health department, uh, touch is, one of the, is not a prolific way that the virus has passed. And uh, we, so we want to begin doing that. But for those of you who don't feel comfortable with that, ju just cross your arms like this and, and, and let the person pass it past you. Uh, and uh, you can continue to give. Uh, we still have boxes up here at the front and at the back. Uh, you can still give online by texting uh, or by mailing your check. But we just wanted to give you kind of a heads up that that's going to be coming next week. We're beginning our stewardship emphasis today. This is going to go for three weeks. Uh, our theme for this uh, uh, stewardship emphasis is live generously here, near, and far. And uh, God knows that a life that is lived generously brings joy. A generous life brings joy. I guarantee it. Here, near, and far. It's one of the ways that we categorize our outreach and mission here uh, at South Sub Church. Here, the ministries that happen right here in this build building and on this campus, 
uh, uh, sometimes for those with whom we are in partnership, things like our food drives, our blood drives, but also our ministries, uh, Grief Share, South Sub Youth, South Sub Kids, Sisterhood, Brotherhood, and many, 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 many more. Near are those ministries that we serve together with, with partner agencies in our community. Um, uh, some of those are uh, here in our building as well, like Trunk or Treat, our Easter Egg Hunt, the upcoming marriage conferences, things that we are reaching out into the community to be a blessing that God can speak into those lives, but also partnerships with Love in the Name of Christ, North Littleton Promise. As a matter of fact, Maureen with North Littleton Promise is here today. Uh, she's going to share a little bit between the services, uh, so I'd invite you to, uh, uh, to, to come between the services, grab a cup of coffee at the cafe, come into the Student Center, Levi's House, Old Sanctuary, whatever you call it. We want you to come and be a part of that. Matter of fact, Maureen, won't you make your way up here now? Um, she has um, uh, been a blessing. Uh, in addition to the work that we do with North Littleton Promise, we've worked with Mount Air Christian Church, and FAR, the ministry that we do with Whitsum and Geely. Did I get that right, Pastor Joe? That's right. Uh, our mission uh, in Eswatina, which you may know as Swaziland, Week of Compassion, Operation Christmas Child. And each week during the message, we're going to share a short video of a, uh, a young at heart person and a real young person. Uh, interpret that however you want. Uh, really like, you know, uh, father, son, daughter, son, grandfather, grandson, for the work that we do intergenerationally here at South Sub Church. But as uh, Marina has made her way up here, would you join me and welcome her as she takes a few moments to introduce herself. Thank you, Marine, for being here. Thank you for having me this morning. It is really good to be here in person to see all your faces. Um, so North Littleton Promise builds life-giving relationships with immigrant kids and their families. On a practical level, that means we're investing in faith, education, and leadership, and we do that through our after-school and summer programs, our soccer program, and our parent programming. Um, so as we have been faithful in those things, right, the Lord has really built a beautiful community among our families and has built trust um, with them, has allowed us to build trust with them. And as we have done that, we get opportunities to hear families' um, stories, including some of their immigration stories, which I feel like um, really enlightens us in this culture um, in terms of just really understanding the story behind the word immigrant and the story behind immigration. Um, so we've been able to hear stories, we've been able to meet really practical needs. Um, we have a mom who's been, this is her second round of chemo that she's been in and we're able to just walk alongside her. Sometimes we pay for some medical supplies and that, sometimes we just pray for her and come alongside and love her, um, but really are there and present for her kids, for her boys as she walks through that, as they walk through that together. But we're also able to share the gospel, right? The, the um, bridge for the gospel is relationship. And because the Lord has allowed us to be um, faithful day in and day out in North Littleton, um, the Lord has given us opportunities for that. Um, and so we have kids, kids and parents who have trusted Jesus, and we get to walk with them um, as they grow in their faith, um, which isn't always linear. I don't know about you. Do you always take a step forward in your faith and then another step forward? I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's different, right? 
but um, we're, we have the honor and privilege of walking alongside them in their growth spiritually as well. Um, I don't know the exact number, but I feel like South Suburban has been supporting North Littleton Promise for about 12 years. I don't know if any of you know that. but And, um, and we're just thankful for your faithful support um, to this church. It means that we get to do the work that we're called to do day in and out with families. So I'm just really thankful and wanted to, wanted to share that. I would love to see you between the services. So come and, come and join us. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. God bless. I remember just in the first few months that I came here, I went to an event that was hosted by North Littleton Promise, and one of the things that immediately impressed me was uh, how Maureen spoke prophetically, talking about how our biblical faith, our faith in Jesus Christ, informs how we build relationships with other people, both uh, our neighbors, uh, folks in this nation, our refugees who are fleeing times of war and trouble and famine and, and, and persecution, and our immigrants, those who have come here to make a better life for themselves, to contribute their strength and work to this nation. And I just was so impressed with you, Maureen. And I think I, I might have said that. If I didn't, I'm saying it publicly. You have a, 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 an ability to articulate the gospel in a way that makes sense in everyday life. Thank you for your work. Um, so we're about to begin our stewardship emphasis. Now, I told the church last week that years ago, I didn't tell them the whole story, but I, I invited you to bring somebody who says all the church talks about is money on Stewardship Sunday. Uh, I'll tell you how this happened. Uh, years ago, I was in college, and I met a, a, a person who had fallen from their faith and was struggling, and uh, as I was talking to this person, who became a, a friend of mine, um, uh, just in the first few days of, of college, I said, you ought to come to church with me. And they said, no, nah, I don't want to go to church. Uh, you, you, bunch of hypocrites. And, 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 and I, I wanted to say, yeah, but if you come, it'll be one extra hypocrite, and that'll be great. <laughs> and uh, we, 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 we talked for, for months and months and months and months. And, and as we talked, she would always share with me, you know, I don't, I don't like the church because all they talk about is money. And that was her big thing, and so finally she agreed to come to church. We attended a little church in Lynchburg, Virginia called First Christian Church of Lynchburg, Virginia, and it was the start of Stewardship Sunday. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, th this, uh, this person went on to recommit their life to Jesus Christ, is, has lived the entirety of her life in service to Christ. Faith is a significant part of her life and her marriage now and uh, God can do amazing things. I'm going to tell you why I really wanted you to encourage your friends who think the church talks about money too much <clears throat> to come to the church, especially in this series. We're going to be looking at our theme, Live Generously, Here, Near, and Far, uh, the ministry and outreach that we do that are made possible through your giving. But I also want us to look at our own lives. And so if you have your Bibles or your tablet or your phone with you, I'd encourage you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, and I'm only going to be reading a few verses, beginning in verse 19. So the Gospel of Matthew, St. Matthew, chapter 6, 19 through 21. Jesus is preaching here. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, or where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, 
there your heart will be also. Here ends the reading of God's holy and perfect word. May he add his blessings and his understanding to it. Amen. For the entirety of my childhood, and I've told you I grew up at a little Christian church in Snow Hill, Maryland. Everybody called it the, 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 the Big Red Door Church or the Red Door Church. And uh, it was the only church in town that had these humongous red doors as you walked into the church building. <clears throat> and I remember each week, uh, Elder Buddy Shockley would give the invitation to the offering. This is back in the old days when, when uh, the preachers didn't want to ask for money, so the elders did. And Elder Buddy Shockley would stand up and he'd offer that invitation uh, it was really interesting, and, and, and if you go into different Christian churches, they're set up in different ways. The one thing about that that's always the same in Christian churches is that none of them are the same. Everybody that comes to a Christian church thinks this is how it's done everywhere. No, it's not. In that church, there was a table up in the middle, a pulpit over here where the preacher preached, and then a lectern over here where the elder would offer the invitation. And right before the offering, he would step to the... Um, uh, the lectern, and reading from his King James Bible, he'd read this passage of Scripture that I read to you today. Every single week, 52 Sundays a year, for the entirety of my childhood, he read that passage of Scripture every single week. And I remember as a young kid, even though I can vividly remember him doing that, the phrase that really jumped out at me was, where, and it's King James Version, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break in and steal. And I can just hear this big booming voice from this elder in the cadence of that King James verse. And you know what? I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. <laughs> I remember my grandmother smelled kind of weird sometimes uh, during the changing of the seasons, you know. I'd go to see her sometime in the spring or fall, and she had that weird smell about her, and I'd say, Mom, why does, why does my mom smell funny? And she'd say, well, that's for the mothballs. And I said, the mothballs? Why would anybody want to put mothballs in their clothes? And my mom would say, well, this, the, the, the balls don't attract moths. They actually cause moths to go away. And I'm like, why, why would a moth want my mom's clothes? And then, trust me. And then, uh, you know, she would talk about the, you know, back then they wore clothes of wool and moths loved to eat wool and those sorts of things. And it just didn't make any sense to me. And then there was rust. I mean, the only thing I know about rust is what my dad would say that on a quiet night you could hear a Ford truck rust. That's all I really remember about that. <laughs> We've just lost all of our Ford owners. They're leaving the sanctuary now. I, I think that it might have been a better verse and, uh, to key in on is verse 21. So I hope that as we have read this passage of Scripture, that you'll key in instead on verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Point one, the most valuable thing in your life, the most valuable thing in your life is your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Amen? Pretend you're Baptists and say amen. <laughs> this was the whole point of Jesus' coming. We struggle with this sometimes, though, don't we? It's hard for us to admit and accept that we live in a state of constant rebellion against God. 
We want to be our own gods if we're honest with ourselves. We idolize ourselves. And we'll offer sacrifices to the idolization of ourselves. We'll sacrifice our marriages. We'll sacrifice our children. We'll sacrifice our health. All at the altar of ourselves. One of life's deepest questions that all of us have asked at one point or another, why am I here? Or maybe, maybe better yet, where is my destiny? What is my purpose? You know, God answers all of those questions in His Word. We've been created to love God. We love God in our worship. We're called to love God in our marriages. We're called to love God in the time that we invest and the presence that we have with our children and serving others. We love God in learning. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. We love God in the wisdom that we have gained from years of life. But we can't love God because we are more in love with ourselves. If we're more in love with ourselves than we are with God, that's a hindrance to our relationship with God. And brothers and sisters, that's the bondage that can only be broken by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus came to redeem us from the slavery of idolatry. And we may not worship at the feet of statues made of stone and wood today, but we often place ourselves on the thrones of our own lives. And Jesus has come to liberate us from that, to free us from that, to be what God has created us to be in the first place. Jesus Christ is the most valuable inheritance that any of us can receive. Now, I've, I've heard folks say that, well, Jesus didn't come just to save us. He came to teach us. He came us to teach us how to be better people. And, and certainly there's good teaching in what Jesus says, but that teaching always points to the fact that we are powerless and He is the Redeemer. And if you are the kind of person that says, well, I'm more interested in what Jesus said than in what Jesus did, well, well let, me, let, me, let me tell you the danger of that road. Jesus talks about our possessions more than anything else in his sermons, except for the kingdom of God. That's the only topic he talks more about than money. He talks more about money than he talks about sex. He talks more about money than how we are to speak and whether or not my grandmother is right. You shouldn't be using those kinds of words. He talks more about money and stuff and how it controls our lives more than he talks about our relationships with other people, forgiving other people, being forgiven by other people. I shared with you a few weeks ago that if I were to model my preaching after Jesus, if you want me to model what Jesus did and not just who Jesus is, that means that I would be preaching about our relationship with money and possessions at least once a month with a couple of other Sundays thrown in. 
The Bible warns us, and research has proven the, re the reliability of the Bible's diagnosis of the most challenging aspect of our personal satisfaction in our lives. When you look at whether sacred or secular resources, they will agree that the most challenging aspect for us to have healthy relationships with one another, let alone a healthy relationship with God, is how we handle our money and our possessions. And most pastors can step behind this pulpit and they can preach about pretty much everything in your life. We can even come into your bedrooms. You won't like it, but you'll put up with it. But when we go to talking about what's in your back pocket or what's in your purse, suddenly that preaching isn't welcomed anymore. And yet it is the most commonly preached upon issue in Jesus' ministry, except for the kingdom of God. How we handle our money, how we view our possessions, impacts our faith in God. If you are struggling with your relationship with God, give me some latitude today and over the next two weeks as we look at our relationship with money, our relationship with our possessions. We will either worship wealth or we will worship God with our wealth. Those are our two options. Now many of you here today came today because you want to get your heart right. You, you, you might be a person who's been here every week for decades. And every week you need this infusion of God's word and prayer and, and song and, and spirit so that you can live the Christian life. Others of you have come here today because you're looking for answers to some of life's most poignant questions. And yep, God brought you on the first day of stewardship emphasis. In our text today, Jesus talks about three things. Treasures on earth, treasures in heaven, and then asks us the question, where is your treasure? For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. You give me your checkbook, and after I've written the check on the top there, I'll tell you what's most important in your life. Let me look at your credit card statement. And I can tell you what's most important in your life. Point two. But don't leave here thinking that what I said is that treasures are bad. Treasures on earth are not bad. Okay? We, we good with that? It's not bad to have treasures on earth. Now, I'm not a health and wealth preacher. I'm not going to sell you a hanky for $100 and tell you it'll cure all your problems. But I am here to tell you that God blesses us with earthly treasures, and that's something to receive. That, that's a good thing. Now, what are treasures on earth? Well, treasures on earth are pretty much what we all think that they are, money and possessions. <laughs> earthly treasures include things that we can touch, things like cash, 
clothes, cars. It also includes things that you can't touch. You know, things like online banking, 401ks, bitcoins. Now, before you think I'm being mean, let me be clear. Jesus did not say you can't own a phone. Although I wish he did, because I hate mine. (laughs) Jesus didn't say you can't buy a computer. He didn't say you can't purchase a home. (laughs) The Colorado housing market said that. (laughs) Jesus didn't say you can't drive a car. Jesus didn't say you can't buy gifts for someone. Jesus didn't say you can't save or invest money for retirement. He didn't say you can't buy more than one shirt Uh, or a pair of pants, or a pair of jeans. Matter of fact, I'm going to quote some Bible to you. By the way, you can look at the study notes. It's in your YouVersion Bible app. There are paper copies, uh, much like this, one sheet of paper, front and back, uh, at our Welcome Center. You're more than welcome uh, to pick that up because I've listed uh, every single verse I'm going to quote to you here. In Proverbs 21.5, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Luke 14, 28, for which of you desiring to build, this is Jesus talking, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Proverbs 13, 11, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Romans 13, 8, owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. What Jesus did say was this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. That's what Jesus did say. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Said another way, stop focusing, stop allowing to be your main focus in life, the accumulation of money and things. Remember, those things are God's gift to us. This was a hard lesson for me to learn. The stuff that I have, the money that I have, is God's gift to me. And when I begin focusing on getting more of that stuff and less about what God is calling me to do and to be, that stuff slowly begins to go away. It's a spiritual rule. Sometimes when, 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 we, when my wife and I look at our bank account, we say to one another, We need to focus more on Jesus. It is a warning sign for us. I can tell you instances throughout my entire life where we did not think that we would be able to pay a bill or make a payment, and if we stayed focused on what God was calling us to be and to do, those resources always showed up. And I have never in my entire life missed anything that I gave or contributed either to the church or to the care of of others, whether it be immigrants, uh, nonprofit food banks, any of those sorts of things, never missed a dime. That's uh, that's my testimony to you. 1 Timothy 6, 17-19. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy they are to do good 
to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. 2 John 1.8 Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what you, we have worked for, but may win a full reward. So instead, set your hearts on pursuing treasures in heaven. Which leads me to my next point. Point three, treasures in heaven are forever. Now there's a tendency to think that treasures in heaven only refers to tithing. or giving 10%. The word tithe means tenth. 10% to the work of the church. This is my little side comment. I have lots of people that say to me, I believe in tithing. Well, let's just get that on the table. My family practices tithing. I've told you that before. I share that with you not to brag, but to be accountable. I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about that in a few moments. But a lot of people say to me, I don't don't like tithing, Pastor, because that's an Old Testament concept. Fair enough, it is. I like the New Testament concept. Oh, you do? Well, yeah. Well, so the part where Jesus says in the New Testament... Go and sell everything. (laughs) Give it to the poor and come follow me is what you'd rather do? Well, I might need to give that Old Testament another look. (laughs) Listen, some people think that tithing is your treasure in heaven. There's an element of truth to that. But when we see what is emphasized in several places in the Bible we see a fuller and richer picture of what it means to build up treasures in heaven. When Jesus encouraged his followers to sell their possessions and give to the needy, giving to the needy, giving to the needy is the emphasis there. Luke 12, 32 to 33. When Jesus asked people to give to others who cannot repay them, Luke 14, 13 to Uh, Luke chapter 14 verses 13 and 14 that's a treasure in heaven and these two examples Jesus's references receiving treasures in heaven and being repaid when he returns are things that we ought to be paying attention to we don't give so that we get something and this is, this is a problem. If you're sitting here and saying, you know, I'm listening to your investment advice, Pastor, and so, you know, we need about, um, oh, I don't know, another $50,000 to make it next year, so I'm going to go ahead and tithe X number of dollars so that God will give me an extra 50. No, that won't work. You, you, you hear how crazy that is? That you're going to give something so that to God... <laughs> so that you get something back. God's not a vending machine. You don't put money in, get to pick which flavor of, of, of soft drink you want, and you get it. It's about the heart. Treasures in heaven may include caring for others, but ultimately treasures in heaven are about our heart. Do we care for the effort of promoting the gospel more than we do cable TV? Do we care about the immigrant 
more than we do a new car? Do we care about the hungry and the homeless? Do we care about the couples whose marriages are falling apart in our neighborhoods and whose children are going to have to wrestle with the question why mommy and daddy don't love each other more than we do redoing the kitchen? As I told you earlier, Sean and I give 10% of every single dollar you pay us, 10% of that goes back to this church. But on top of that, you've heard the phrase tithes and offerings. See, offerings are everything over the tithe. I'm, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to give you biblical truth. We, we have adopted a compassion child for every child we have. If for no other reason, that's why we need to quit having kids. Because <laughs> we double our kids every time we have a kid. We currently uh, have adopted two children in the Philippines, one in Tanzania, and we're now, as you know, preparing to adopt a fourth. On top of that, we support a missionary couple serving in Europe. We once had a tax accountant say to us, Pastor, you have got to quit giving so much money away. You're inviting an audit. An audit. And I said to him, if I am audited, will I be okay? And he said, yeah, we've done everything legally. I said, well, then bring it on. Because I would love to have the opportunity to speak to an IRS agent about the importance of giving. The importance of generosity. I will never ask you to do something that I am not willing to wrestle with myself. I promise you. My promise and vow to you. Now, I share all that with you, not to brag, but to, number one, be accountable, that I'm not asking you to do anything that I'm not willing to do. But number two, to tell you that even in generosity, listen, even in generosity, the temptation is great to expect God to bless us for our generosity. I mean, I struggle with that. I have caught myself in a time of uncertainty, financially and otherwise, saying to God, I don't understand, God, don't you see how generous we are? And in that moment, the conviction of the Holy Spirit falls on me. That's not generosity, that's legalism. That's not generosity, that's a haughty spirit. That's not generosity, that's arrogance. And God doesn't bless those things. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now I'm going to say something's going to make the treasurer and our financial management team furious. Are you ready? If you can't give cheerfully, you need to stop giving. I'll probably get fired tomorrow now, Pastor Joe. <laughs> That's hard for me to say because there's a part of me that says, I would rather get your money grumpily <laughs> than not get it at all. But I'm, I'm not on the FMT, I'm your pastor. 
And what I care about more is your heart and your life and your soul. And if you can't give it cheerfully, you need to stop giving it because all that's doing is making you resistant. All that's doing is building a wall. All that's giving you is a reason for your lack of commitment and lack of faith in God. If it isn't cheerful, if there's no love in it, well, it isn't credited as a treasure in heaven. What God is interested in, here it is, what God is interested in is reordering our life so that every aspect of our living is for God's glory and for the good of others. That's what God wants to do in your life. The Bible refers to many ways Christians can store up treasures in heaven or rewards. Faithfully enduring persecution, Matthew chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Loving your enemies is a way to build treasures in heaven, Matthew chapter 5. Praying in secret, Matthew chapter 6. Serving the Lord and his people, Matthew chapter 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 6. You're seeing a theme. The stuff that builds treasures in heaven isn't easy stuff. It's not easy like writing a, a check. It's about investing ourselves. And in investing ourselves and investing our hearts, see, that's God's economy. If we can get your heart, everything in your life will follow. Your time, your talent, and your treasure. You, you, you've heard the old adage, we got enough money to do everything we need to do in this church. The only problem is it's still in your, your bank accounts. <laughs> here, here let, me, let me walk you through a little, little thing here. Why don't everybody stand up if you're able? Everybody stand up if you're able. If you can't stand up, don't stand up. It's not a big deal. We don't need you standing. Now, I want you to look at your neighbor in front of you. Now, either they have a purse or a wallet, okay? Now, when I say go, this is what I want you to do. I want you to grab that purse or wallet and give like you always want it to. You can sit back down. And you know what that joke says? Seriously, you know what that joke says? That every single one of you have the ability to be generous, just not with your stuff. And here's the lesson. Your stuff and my stuff isn't really our stuff. It's God's stuff. And God is saying to you, be generous with my stuff that I'm giving to you. Now, if that doesn't make the hairs on your neck stand up on end, if that doesn't make goosebumps pop up on your arm, you need to go see Pastor Joe this week. <laughs> you need counseling, brother, sister. Today, we're looking at both how we as individuals respond to live generously today, how we live generously here. Well, I tell you what, I think some of the best ways that you're going to hear this is by listening to these stories. Direct your attention now to the screens as Matt and Joshua Moore do a better job than I ever did in explaining this. I want to introduce to you Matt and Joshua Moore. Uh, they're here to talk a little bit about the ministry of here. So welcome. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you came to be a part of South Sub Church. 
We started uh, when Joshua was in about fourth or fifth grade. We were invited by some great friends of ours, um, Joshua's best friend, and he started out in Sunday school here, and he's now grown through youth and uh, just been a big part of all of uh, the ministries there. What are some of the things that you guys are really active and involved in here? Well, um, I'm pretty involved with the youth group, and also uh, I've been volunteering with the tech team and as an uh, assistant deacon, so um, that's been pretty fun to see the different parts of the church. And I've been participating in quite a few of the food drives uh, here locally and, um, and doing a lot of those things. Uh, we, we did truck or treat here two or three years in a row. Uh, so helping out with a lot of those things that we do here close, close by. Well, you know, if I didn't know that you were father and son, I would think you guys are best friends or brothers because you can tell there's a lot of love and respect between the two of you. What, what is one of the things that you hope that Joshua carries on as, as a legacy in his own ministry? Well, certainly character is a big thing there. It's always nice to, to hear great things, uh, particularly when you are uh, when somebody that's maybe a member of the church comes up to you that you don't even know and compliments Joshua. Uh, those make your warm your heart as a father. It's always great to hear nice things, so character is a big thing. Well, you know, the theme is live generously here, near, and far. Joshua, what does that really mean to you? Uh, well, I think being generous has something, or being generous to me is something that like I've tried to try to think about when I'm interacting with other people in being uh, having caring respect and empathy and a general sense of kindness to anyone that I meet, whether it's in church, whether it's at home, or just whoever it is. Amen. So, why is it important for you to serve or to live generously here? I think one of the bigger things is is that we, we have a reach outside of our doors here, right? It's not just the people that are members here, but our, our neighborhoods and our community that we live in, Littleton. Um, there's needs all around, and that's, that's something that we uh, have done a great job with as a church, I believe, and particularly during the pandemic, um, doing a lot of the things where our doors were closed, but we were able to reach people in the parking lot. And one of the things that I've really appreciated about your interest is, is that when you have done that kind of service, You've blessed the folks right here in this congregation and all that you do. Thanks again. So what's the bottom line? Real wealth is obtained by investing in treasures in heaven. You are eternally rewarded when you give. When you pray and fast in private, you are eternally rewarded in heaven when you forgive, when you share the gospel. You are eternally rewarded in heaven when you love your enemies, when you endure insults and persecutions. When it comes to rewards, the greatest reward every follower of Christ will receive is this, seeing God face to face. Matthew chapter 5, Revelation chapter 22. In your desire to follow Christ, do you live your life for Him because of what He can do for you? Or do you live your life for Him because you can do nothing else? The question really gets at the heart of the matter, doesn't it? Like an experienced physician who can diagnose the source of your pain, Jesus knows that our struggle is an issue of the heart, not what we do or what we don't do. This is why Jesus connected His command to stop laying up treasures on earth and start storing up treasures in heaven to the heart. He knows that what we value is reflected in how we live. When the world is our desire, 
we will be consumed with storing up treasures on earth. But when Jesus is our treasure, we will devote our lives to live for his glory and for the good of others. So today I want to ask you, ask yourself, do I treasure Jesus or do I treasure the world? Am I consumed with living and loving like Jesus? And then ask God right now in your hearts to release you so that you can live generously here, near, and far. Now, I'm not here, I've already told you, I'm not here to preach this series to raise money for South Sub Church. And that's easy to distinguish, especially with the ongoing deficits, deficits that we're running and the potential deficit at the end of this program year of about $200,000 deficit. That, that's terrifying for, for, for even the most faithful of us. But you need to hear me. I am trying with every fiber of my being not to preach because of that. With every fiber of my being, I believe that when our hearts are connected with Christ, everything in our life is reordered. I'm here to tell you about Jesus. Because He will change your life.